We read Psalm 24. Of David, a psalm. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Selah. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your hands, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he? This King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is King of glory. Selah. The word of the Lord. morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor at Christ Central Church, and we missing Pastor Georgia this morning. I had a lunch with him on Friday. Was it Friday? Thursday. And then he looked fine, you know, and then he got sick. And when he got sick, I was like, wait a minute, we shared some nachos. Um, but for those of you who know me, I'm a germaphobe. I don't let him double dip. Um, always take my dips out and put it on the side. Um, but anyway, we're, we're continuing to pray for him, um, just so he can go to Hawaii and have a good time, um, and get on the plane. Just make sure he, you know, drinks a lot and gets some drugs and all that kind of stuff. Make sure he has it in his body before he tries to take the drugs on the plane. Um, they kind of tricky with that. We want him to sleep all the way there. Um, so we can be prayerful for him as he goes away and, uh, like, when I had my month off um, just recently, um, he's gone. So if you call his phone, you know, he, he's not going to pick up? Okay, that's good. Don't work in Hawaii, does it? Cool, cool. Um, so don't try to call him. And um, tell him not to bring any rocks back from Hawaii. I remember the Brady Bunch that time. And <laughs> No, I seriously respect it. We talked about it. Kirsten Hemi's from Hawaii. We talked about it. I asked them, don't bring me any rocks back. I don't need it. I don't want none of that stuff happening. Um, everybody remembers Peter. He thought it was fun to bring the rocks back. Didn't go out, go well. Um, it's good to be back with you guys and, um, continuing in this series in the book of, in the Psalms, if you will, the songs that we have written for us in scripture and, um, This Psalm 24, the Bible tells us that this Psalm was written by King David and uh, Israel's king sometime around, around 1000 BC. And a number of commentators believe that it was written by David to commemorate and celebrate the bringing of the ark of the covenant, the box where God's presence dwells. If y'all remember the ark, remember Raiders of the Lost Ark, when they opened that thing and everybody's face melted, that was the ark of the covenant. But it's something good in there, God's in there, so don't go by that, but you know what I'm talking about. 
Well, this ark was being taken back to the city after it had been stolen away in war so that God's presence and power could once again be said and believed to be among his people. And so we have David in the closing verses of this psalm referring to coming to the gates of the city with the ark and what we believe to be the ark in procession upon Benaz who goes there, the king of glory. In other words, the king, the one who carries and is and, and embodies the presence of God. The one who has won back the ark of the covenant, God's presence brought back to the city to bless and make his people righteous. Or as your scripture says here, vindicate God's people. And so it is demanded that the gates be opened, that the city gates and, and by declaring lift up your heads, you gates that the frame on the top that held the doors that held the doors that they be taken off the frame and and the doors, strong, heavy doors of security, that they be opened wide. And in other words, let the doors and the door frame be blown off the hinges and let them be opened and never shuttable again to the glory of God and his king coming in. Now, what does this 3000 year old song probably written for the coming of the ark of the covenant event have to do with us? Why has God called us to sing it, to meditate on it? to take even take faith in its words. Because like them mentioned in verse 6, as the generation of those who seek Him for our fallen and broken world and hearts, that, that like the gates and doors, we are shut and blocked to the glory of God. And, and we need a king, if you will, to break through with blessings and the redemptive presence of God. Because as your being here this morning confirms... In some way, you and I are wondering and searching for what this 3,000-year-old song is affirming. That God has blessings and a glory that you and I need. And in turning to this song and turning our minds and and hearts to, to walking through it together, like them with King David, we are holding out hope. Maybe for some of us, just a little bit of hope that the truth and and grace of God as it is portrayed and sung about here is powerful enough to come in and change and challenge our lives and world. My prayer this morning is that God give us in Psalm 24, like he did Israel back then, A new song. A new song we can sing. A new hope to sing about and turn to. A new love and trust of God to sing for. The psalm opens up by declaring this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For He founded it upon the seas and established it. Upon the waters. And what you need to understand is it contextually is that the idols of the day around them were, were like senatorial representative deities, right? 
They had one for the ocean and one of the land and one deity of the luminaries. And David is saying and declaring in the words of the Fugees, there's too many MCs and not enough mics. And so David is telling the competing gods, exit your show like I exit the turnpike. Y'all ain't no good this morning. I'm dropping some rhymes. Y'all ain't no good. But that, that basically that the God we worship, the God I am calling you to worship, David said, the God that this song is about is the God of and over everything. Over everything, over everybody, over every place and all other gods. He that he needs that everyone else needs to know that that all, to all other gods, he is the Lord of lords and God of gods. He's not the depart a department of Sam's and Costco. He is Sam's and Costco, right? He's not the gardener. He's he's the whole doggone thing. And it leads us to then say this, then this God. The one who is the God over everything is the God that therefore must be and have everything you and I need. That this God, the God of this Bible, has all we need to live and to love and to learn and to grow and to exist and to smile and to cry and to sit down and even to stand up. That the God of this song that you are hearing about today, the God of David, he is the God that is and has everything you and everybody and everything that's anything needs. He is therefore your God. Whether you acknowledge or had prior knowledge of it or not, and the song that he is your God, and the psalm thus starts with a sort of, is that clear before we go any further? David's way of saying, listen up, y'all. The God that we're talking about is the God of everything. And so with that in mind, he asks a good and honest question in verse 3. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Okay, back then everything awesome was on a hill. Believers in God and believers in everything else, every other God, they, they worship on hills. They sacrifice and put altars and temples on hills like our uptown, right? That's where all the important people and all the important places and things and the sources of wealth and if there's no recession, the sources of wealth and culture, the place to get what you need. Therefore, the hill is obviously where the God that is and has everything we need, that's where he is. So David is using the place and temple placement to make a point of God's transcendence and place as God over us all. So what David is getting at is this. God has and is everything we need to make it down here as human beings in this world, and we got that straight. And we need to get up that hill. Because we need him and his stuff, his blessing, his vindication, right? We need what verse 5 is talking about. We need blessing. We need the spiritual God stuff to make everything and each one of us work right down here. And then it says that they shall receive vindication from the Lord. And I don't want to complicate things here, but we need God's you all right with me 
and with yourself. For, for our sense of, of worth, we need the daddy of the universe to say, good job, my boy and girl. You know, we need that stamp of approval and acceptance. But understand, this is not about getting it for yourself only. You know, Every time I look at this verse and think about going up to the hill to get God's blessing, I can't help but in my mind think about Sam's and Costco, right? And you know how things are packaged at Sam's and Costco? You know, it's real big. Three families can eat off that. So when Kelly goes to Sam's and Costco, she's like, well, I wonder um, who else needs some of this? Because there's like 50 chicken legs in here. Where's the small pack? Over there, ma'am. 25 chicken legs, right? And I like chicken. I just don't like chicken that much. Right? And and so, well, well, the the covenantal context, that means extended family and neighborhood care we, you and I are called to. You need to go up that hill to go shopping for all the people under your care and who need it. And for every task you you have going on, your family, your neighborhood, your, your ability to do your job for the world. You know, I think about... If we lived in a world where animals spoke and trees could talk, and the Psalms talk about the trees talking, but they really don't talk for real, you know. But if they could, the whole earth would say, please, you human being, go up on that hill and get some stuff. You know, go to God's version of Lowe's and PetSmart to take care of this earthly property. Go up there and get a seminar or some instruction from the Word of God, of course, to learn how to care for things. What are we saying? That on that hill is a heavenly target. The heavenly Walmart, the university, the hospital, the, the bank, the rehabilitation center, the pharmacy, with God as the world's chief doctor and head DA and pharmacist and life architect and engineer and contractor and master instructor, that on that hill is the God who can fix and make right what is broken or hurting or lost. On the hill is everything. And most importantly, the one you need. Your existence and the well-being of all the things and people in your life depends on it. Here's the point. We need everything he's got. Now, the question. Who can and will go get it? Right? Who's going to see the man? Who's going up to see God? Who is and who can put their order in? Who's going to see the CEO of the universe? And before you answer, don't be like the hasty guy on Indiana Jones or on Star Trek, right? You know how it is. You got the the, the cave nobody wants to go into. And the one guy, I'll go, walking in like this, and a head comes rolling out. You know, you can tell a guy that's going to live because he's looking at it like, I ain't going in first. You go in. The standing guy, the guy making the low check, you know, he's going to go in. The red shirt guy on Star Trek, he's going to go in first. So who? Who's going to send the hill of the Lord? Who's going to promise blessing for you and me? Who's going to go up and talk to God? How can we get it? How can we get what we need so desperately from God? And David tells us. Verse 3, who may send the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Verse 4, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, 
he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his Savior. There you go. Right there. He tells us. The one with a clean hand and clean heart. The one who doesn't lift up their hearts and, and lives to idols. That person can go get with everything we need. They can go get the blessing and all the righteous go see God. If you want your little card to get into God's shopping network, just, just have a clean heart and a clean hand. And then don't ever think about idols. Go on up. And, you know, it's like Jeopardy, right, where they give you the answer. But that doesn't help you get it right. It's one of those hard test problems. The hardest test problem is when they give you the answer, right? So God is and has everything our messed up, crazy, and beautiful world need. And all we have to do to access him and it is to first have clean hands and pure hearts. Let's go. Let's do it. Right? And it's easier said than done. It's easier said than to be. Because what this clean hands and pure hearts mean is this. Remember the context of the everything God. Well, that applies to clean hearts and hands. To have clean hands means you've done everything right. According to God's standards. And and done nothing wrong for yourself and for him and for your family and by your neighbors. And with it that you would do it, he said, pure heart, with pure motives. It simply means, come on y'all, this is easy. That we have done all we have done for the glory of God alone. Let's go. We're not doing anything we do to try to get acceptance or attention or affirmation or to show off or be the center of attention. We're not doing anything we do right or, or trying not to do anything wrong for selfish or, 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 or to get our way or to self-promote or, or to protect our motives, not to get by, not to sneak. And remember that this is the God that sees and knows everything, even our deepest heart behind all that we do. A clean, clean hands and a clean heart. And if that weren't hard enough, look at verse four. Again, the second half. And who and also who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false? And it means this. It means not to have any part of our lives and loves that are not Godward and God-centered. Soul here can be interpreted throat. In other words, God blesses and welcomes the ones who don't fix their pains and their hurts and their emptiness and their hunger for truth and righteousness, who don't fix those things with anything and by anyone else by him and according to his rules for using it. In other words, you should be exclusively committed to using the God of the Bible product, brand and directions. It means that God only blesses those who don't settle for less than what he offers it means this to not get your personal needs and desires and hungers met by anything or anyone else god does not welcome people into his blessed life who get and turn their lives to the bootleg or knockoff or the irregular or the generic but okay we all bootleg right Somewhere in our lives, we got that movie where you're watching it and then you see the person head walking by. Right? You know, we. Y'all never seen a bootleg movie? Oh, 
Well, you can go my home church. There's a lady going selling them in a church after church. Got the bootleg, bootleg movie. You know, we all take God's stuff and use it. And God's people. And even ourselves. And we use it in a wrong way. Because it's hard to live this life. We're in our world of hungry. The throat image here. We're, we're starving for hope. We're hungry for acceptance. We're hungry for community and hungry for love and mercy and achievement and security and friendship and justice and intimacy. And, and our souls and throats are parched and dry for blessing and righteousness. And, and as those who may find it hard to climb up God's high holy hill, it is so easy. To stop short of it. Because God seems and is in so many ways so far away. So we stop at the corner stores. Let's call them the convenience stores of our lives. David calls them idols. Turning to something or someone else in some way that is not God to do what God alone purely gives and alone should be looked to get. We had this situation about convenience stores, corner stores in our neighborhood. In the Belmont neighborhood. And I, it's some extreme amount of corner stores. How many corner stores we got, Kelly? 20? 12. And what kind of radius is that? Huh? Less than a mile. 12 convenience stores. Right? And so there was this debate about, hey, you know, we need to get rid of these convenience stores because you know what happens on the corner. Well, maybe you don't. It's convenient for some other things too. Okay? That's all you need to know. And people are always standing around trying to drive by, can't get through. And so this 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 uh uh thing put forward, can't remember the name of it now, for the for the uh government to say, okay, we gotta close some of these convenience stores. And then it, someone wrote, you know, we can't do that to the people in the community. They need it to get their groceries and for nutrition. Twelve of them? Twelve of them. And then Kelly wrote Kelly was like, you know, I can't count on one hand seeing somebody leave with a loaf of bread and some vegetables at that place. I never seen anybody leave the corner store with, you know, some fresh asparagus, some lettuce, some organic chicken, you know, something. And But you know what they leave with, right? People come out with jungle juice and chips and 40s and cigarettes. Can you say preservative, fat-filled, artificial heart clog and heart stopping? Also good and pleasing and convenient malnutrition. That's what you get at the convenience stores. And like that, David is saying we turn to all sorts of addictions just to get that emptiness filled. We, we turn to all sorts of anger and gossip and, and pouting to get that fear dealt with. We turn to all sorts of success-driven achievements to get that emptiness fixed. You know, we, 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 we turn to all sorts of religious and self-righteous rules and regulations to self-fix, to, to self-bless, to, to self-write. And when we do that, we open our throats and our souls to to be met and fed by idols, by what and who is not God and not good for us. And it goes back to the first verses of the psalm. Everything is the Lord's. 
And when the Lord is not the Lord in any part of our lives, if we get fed by anything or anyone else, if we get comfort in a way that makes anything else God for us, if we swear by it, as the scripture says, if we live our lives by something else, we are short of the hill. So here's the problem, man. The answer to the question simply is this. Because no one's motives are pure. And, and no one is idol free. And no one is solely Dale Gloria doing everything and getting everything for the glory of God. No one is righteous enough. And so here is the answer to this question in verse 3. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who is the one who's going to get blessed and, and get righteous? Who can get from God what that we need? Not you, not me, and not even King David ultimately who wrote this song. And like the responsibility, though, of one who was king of Israel, you and I were friends, right? We're fathers, we're mothers, we're husbands, we're, we're wives and teachers and care providers and artists and bankers and, and, and business people and sons and daughters. And in order for us to be and do and exist emotionally and physically and spiritually, we need what God has. And it just makes you pause. It says, Selah, think about that. Let that marinate a little bit. The God who created you has what you need on the hill and you aren't righteous enough to get it. Pause for a minute on that. But sadly, sometimes the pause, in the pause of our futility, we begin to look a lot like the gates and doors in verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up your ancient doors. When you live separate from the blessing and righteousness of God of and on the hill, when we, like verses 4 and 5 detail, open our souls and lives to settle for less than Him, some of us... We do it in all parts of our lives. Some of us, we have, you know, just that little issue, that little sin, that little situation that, that you know, God just can't get into, right? That We, we freeze. We, we harden up like those ancient doors. God's up there. We're down here. And he is too holy. And we are too broke. So we build a life in a world that is impossible. Impossible. In certain areas or even our whole life for us to let God in or even for us to go out to him. Understand, y'all, we've hardened up in our sense of faith and belief. Some of us have become cynics or self-righteous. We've become a cynical and self-righteous, insecure gatekeeper who have taken control from God from everything and everyone else, for our sense of rightness against and besides God. We have, every one of us, a blessing block, if you will, a a righteousness block. We have ancient and everlasting gates, a, a personally unbreakable barrier emotionally and spiritually or physically between us and God's love and redemption. Whether it's broken situations or hurt and pain or relationship issues, we secure ourselves. We stop at the convenience stores. We've gotten heart artery hardening. 
from going to idle conveniences. No blessing comes in very well. And no one goes out to get it. And our heads, we, the heads here, we are downcast and condemned. And, and we and those that we are called to care for feel hopeless in life in certain areas. We, we won't even lift up our heads to look. We won't even lift up our voices and hopes toward the God of the impossible hill. In parts of our lives, in some of us, our whole lives, we don't even consider God a lifestyle option anymore. Some of us have a pause, a sailor in our lives, because we have resigned to live and let others live in pain. We've given up hope that we in our world and all of its hurt can be dealt with. Me with you. We've dropped our heads and closed our gates in condemnation and fear and failure. God sometimes is just too far away. The God stuff is too high in the sky. And we in our world and and me and you, we're, we're too far gone and removed from his holiness. Like these gates. Like the heads of these gates. We're closed. We're trapped. You know, sometimes I experience this in worship. Just can't go there. Emotionally, I just can't go there. I see the songs. I see other people happy. I see folk lifting hands and heads and all that stuff. I see people crying. Can't go there. Unbelief and insecurity rule my heart. It feels like an everlasting door. I feel cut off, trapped, stuck. I know some of you have this stuff in your life. You're stuck. Here by God, come to church, too much. But this psalm sings this. Lift up your heads, oh, you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Because good news, new news, unexpected news, the king of glory shall come in. And it says, who is this king of glory? He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the one who has ascended that hill on our behalf. Who fought and suffered and warred to gain and regain the presence and blessing and righteousness righteousness of God for our broken, messed up people and world like us. Who is the king of glory? The Bible tells us that it is none other ultimately than God, our King, Jesus Christ, who on our behalf, our world, 
in our humanity. He came like one of us and he ascended and he went where we couldn't go for ourselves. He, he went and he died on a cross for our lack of clean hands and hearts, dying for our idle hunger. And what has he come back as? The King Almighty. The King strong and mighty. The King mighty in battle. Because with him, the blessing and very presence of the transcendent God comes into our lives and our world. And with it, the power and blessing to demand that hard hearts and impossible situations and all sorts of problems in your world and all the hardness of your heart and lack of faith and hope and peace and joy that they be blown off the hinges of our heart that they have hung on to and that our hearts be lifted up. That we no longer have to look down but that because of Christ for any issue For the God who has and is everything that we can lift up our heads and look and be open to and see and call and pray to and face the hill calling for the God of the hill. That this king of glory would now reside with us and protect us and keep purifying us and keep on knocking down gates and lifting heads for us that we can now say and know that our Lord Jesus, strong and mighty like David did the day with the Ark of the Covenant, that our Lord doesn't wait and he doesn't hope against all hope that we will get it together. That one day we'll get enough, you know, righteousness to ascend the hill. He doesn't give us a pep talk and, and slap us on the butt and say, go on out there, go get him. He doesn't set up a game plan for us to work our ways into a successful health and wealth. You can get the blessing of God too. He doesn't do that. No. God and Jesus Christ, the King of glory, He delivers. He delivers the glory and grace of God to your world. He delivers the favor and acceptance of God with a power that changes everything. We sing because the Lord God that has and everything we need and we can't get, He delivers. Now I want you to receive it. This is your song. This psalm now is a new song for you. Those of us who, without clean hands and clean hearts, or or even a hope or vision of God being our Savior, or, or God being called out on a certain issue of our lives, for those of us, this is a new song of faith and hope that we can now call out who is the King of glory to our problems. He is the Lord strong and mighty in battle. He is Jesus and He's coming in and everything else has to straighten up. We can now turn and repent that Jesus may come through his word, through his sacrament, through the fellowship of his church's worship and mission and community, this psalm itself is a new song that the Lord has delivered to you today to sing and to pray and to meditate on 
and to believe. Look at your heart. Look at your life. Look at the hard places. Look at the world. And sing. Lift up your heads. O ye gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory shall come in. The Lord delivers. Let us pray.